Hi, and welcome to the RTV, the podcast from the Northeast Ambulance Service. I'm Stephen Hackles, a paramedic who has been with the Northeast Ambulance Service for seven years. And in this episode, I speak to Stephen Greenwood, a fellow paramedic and one of our mentors. In our conversation, Stephen tells me about the role of a mentor, how he personally supports our students to be the best clinicians they can be. And we discuss the ups and downs of being a mentor. So, hi Steve, uh, welcome to the podcast. Um, do you, would you like to introduce yourself? Yeah, so uh, as you said, my name's Steve Green, paramedic who works out at RIPE. Um, previous life was an engineer for about, you know, 15 years, but it's usually, you know, I wasn't really felt fulfilled within that role. Start with NIAS back in 2016 as an ECA with that, you know, that classic five-year cliche plan to become a paramedic. And yeah, very fortunate to get accepted on the internal program. So since then, lots of career opportunities such as joining SORT, but uh, I'm also an academic tutor for the University of Sunderland for the paramedic degree. So this involves, you know, doing the skills assessment, doing some teaching and everybody's favourite, you know, assessing the OSCEs. So I often see both sides of the student learning experience and understand their pressures through the eyes of the, you know, well, the lens of a a tutor and also, you know, um, practice mentor. What about yourself, Dave? So I've been a paramedic for uh, three years now. I've uh, been with the service for uh, just shy of seven years. I used to work in control previously where I did a little bit of coaching um, and then became a mentor as well uh, as a paramedic. Um, so as we said in the intro, obviously this podcast is is discussing mentorship um, and the, the ups and the downs and, and everything in between. So I think a good place to start would just be to describe sort of what is a mentor, what is a practice educator, um, and maybe we can expand a bit on types of mentors as well. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Yeah, and I, yeah, I think a good place to start is is actually to define what the role is. So the College of Paramedics use the, the, a term called practice educator, uh, kind of gets colloquially known as like a mentor, but they are actually two different things. And it defines a practice educator, mentor is like a multi-role, you know, involves being, of course, a mentor, a leader, a role model for your students and your colleagues and an assessor. And, and the emphasis is on, on clinical supervision, leadership and promoting growth of the student uh, in the practice-based education environment, really. So like our role is, is, is to bring medical theory and practice out on the road together, and hopefully in one seamless role, really. Going back then to, to when you first started mentoring, um, and I think this might be a little bit of a two-part question, mm-hmm. but but I think the underlying question is when is the right time to mentor? Um, and, and did you feel ready when you first started mentoring? Um, yeah, so I mean, I, I think sometimes that decision is kind of, taken away from you as you are generally expected uh, to mentor and it's part of that transition from band five up to band six um should everybody be a mentor well yes can everybody do it well certainly not because some people don't have that innate ability to to teach or able to adapt or change the teaching styles Uh, and some people are generally not confident in their own ability as yet because they might be six, seven, eight months out on the road and they're still trying to consolidate the learning. So, yeah, you've got to ask yourself, do I feel confident right now? You know, some mentors don't like to be questioned and challenged because of their own levels of confidence, you know, and you can 
in that situation, you can really turn into one of those toxic mentors who who like maybe avoid asking answering questions of uh, you know, or just shuts down and not make yourself available for the student for the learning. So it's very sort of personal then to to you as a paramedic. Obviously, within as we know within the Northeast Ambulance Service, once we hit uh, second year of our um, NQP stage or our newly qualified stage, um, we we can mentor. And and generally that is an expectation, but it's but it's we don't have to if if you get to that second year stage, um, you know, so you've you've completed one year on the road, but you don't feel ready, then you you can ask for further further time um and further support from obviously from management. Um so it it seems from what you're saying it's very personal to you as an individual of when you're ready there's no set time where you know everyone hits a certain point and, and everyone's ready to to mentor yeah 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 absolutely um you know you got felt i mean you got to think well i'm actually competent uh, in competent i mean you know you've been signed off as being competent but do you feel competent enough to, to be a mentor is your have you consolidated your learning points in where you know actually you know i am quite prepared i mean and that doesn't mean Known what to do in every single situation, and you know, in fact, one you know, part the best part of the job is we regularly find ourselves in unfamiliar situations, uh, and where we've we've got to apply theoretical medical knowledge. Uh, however, you know, you should be clinically competent in your scope of practice. You know, you don't want to pass an area of poor practice onto the next generation of paramedics. So you, you can't go through generation generation just saying, oh well, you know, ECGs aren't my strong point, but you know, go away. You. You sh- that should not be happening. You should be getting better yourself at it. And I think that's one of the good points of being a mentor is that self-reflection. You can you identify areas where, yeah, actually that's a bit of a blind spot in my practice. I need to go away uh, and just bring myself up on it. I mean, I would like most, you know, every primary I've met is more than capable in ECGs, but then it's, it's just like those rare conditions that you might come across, you know? Yeah. So it's more of a, a two way street then, isn't it? Men- mentorship. It's, it, you know, you're, you're, you're teaching them and, and showing, showing your student the ropes, but equally, you know, they can highlight areas where, where your clinical practice isn't as strong um, as it could be. And that gives you an opportunity then to, to go away and, and, and better yourself um, moving forward. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. And, 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 you know, part of our standards is, is that you should always be, you know, self-reflective, um, and and that's how we grow. And I mean, nursing, it's a strong area. Not nursing, uh, it, it shouldn't be unfamiliar to us now. You know, this, you know, doing um, reflections. So, if we d- discuss the the different types of mentors that mm-hmm. that we sort of regularly find, or certainly that students, you know, will will come across, do you want to sort of run through those definitions? So, yeah, I think it is important we, we recognise the types of mentors, you know, that we see out there. And also can we recognise in ourselves. I think there's, you know, it comes across as known as, like, you know, the toxic mentors, which generally starts off as, well, you know, this is how I was taught. And um, it kind of just continues and continues through generations of students. There was a, a study by um, Darlene et al, and they explored this problem mainly in nursing, but found like it was like four what we call like these toxic mentors. So the, the first one that they come across was uh, basically known as the blockers. So these are the practice educators who who blocks the learners' development in various ways and prevents them from le- accessing learning, which of course 
as a mentor, we should be signposting learning. And, but this can also be done by over supervising them or deliberately withholding knowledge for them for one reason or another. And some mentors will deny this learning experience or other aspects of learning by saying, you know, you don't need to know that attitude. And But we should probably, you know, encourage these nice to know's as well, because sometimes that's the missing link that completes the learning for the, the, the student. Um, have you ever any experience of those blockers at all, mate? <laughs> so, yeah, absolutely. Um, we, you know, we obviously come across very different types of uh, of mentors, you know, when we work with other paramedics. Um, I think it's it's really important sort of self-awareness as as a mentor to to understand you know how your style mm-hmm. um and and how you can how you can improve yeah absolutely um so like the second one and it is really what it is is the destroyers these the, the mentors who use the such things as humiliation and or like being maybe a bit overly aggressive with challenging um what's going on and use that as a teaching tool and, it, and it's basically just the hammer um and this literally undermines any confidence or any growth within the student um so they i haven't really seen anybody like that for a long time now i think we are grown as a profession and probably a bit more sympathetic towards the, the students as such um and then of course uh, we have the dumpers which i think is probably more prevalent so the dumpers would be the practice education we believed in throwing the students in the deep end, which again is it isn't really great for building self confidence. You definitely, you know, you need a degree of healthy pressure, but you've got to balance it. You know, like too much pressure, and then the student just learns very little or, or shuts down and doesn't engage. Um, and yeah, we do need a degree of stress inoculation, but you know, you wouldn't chuck a non-swimmer in the water and say, you know, just start to swim. You know, it, we just we, you wouldn't do it. So why why would we do it in the area of learning? Yeah. So in in that circumstance, obviously, you know, it would be putting a first year student into uh, into trying to run a cardiac arrest is 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 too much. However, if we put a third year student in, then then that would be an appropriate amount of pressure. Oh yeah, absolutely. But I think. I think there should also, um, you know, certainly something I do with my students is, is there's always a phrase that we use, um, whether it's, you know, I'm just going to have a conversation with my mentor um, or, you know, just a certain look across the room mm-hmm. at, once they've got to the end of their, you know, ability in terms of history taking and assessments oh, yeah. where they need to sort of, you know, have that conversation um, in terms of treatment going forwards and, and management plans. Um, so, they don't feel like, you know, they're chucked in at the deep end and they're just, it's sink or swim. Yeah, that, that's not an ideal situation really, is it? No. So uh, avoiders, um, I was thinking about this one. I thought, well, in the answer, it's pretty hard to avoid your student. But I think what kind of comes across in this one is that, you know, the, it's the mentor who doesn't facilitate any time to review practice or set goals and deliberately avoids any kind of, you know, any constructive feedback and signposting what you need to improve on and how are we going to facilitate that? Um, and then, of course, you you know, you've got the next one, um, which is pretty, which had a bit of reading around, and this is probably like the fifth one. I was, I was trying to find the article I came from, but I couldn't find it. But it's it's kind of the, the modern coddlers, um, and these are probably as damaging as all the others. And it's, and it's basically you're not facilitating healthy pressure 
on the student. You're denying them the opportunity to make safe mistakes. You know, you're assessing patients as a team, which generally you do, but you're failing to recognize that the student isn't actually making any decisions. Um, you know, you're filling in the gaps for them. And the danger is the student, you know, as I said, doesn't realize they're not making a diagnosis, a care plan, and no one is telling them where they're going wrong. Uh, and therefore, they're never wrong, with, and it, it, it reinforces that, that behaviour. So we, we need to give the student uh, the, the time and, and space to to be able to make safe mistakes. I think you used a good analogy when we were talking a little earlier on um, about taking taking the student right up to the crash barrier of, of safety, letting them get that far before, you know, we, we need to we need to pull them back. I think, you know, we've all been in a situation mm-hmm. as paramedics where we've made mistakes and we've learned from them. Uh, and that's, you know, very much the same for students. It's, it's you know, f- sometimes you need to fail to to learn. Mm-hmm. And by Molly coddling them is, you know, is, is taking away that that learning opportunity. Oh, yeah, yeah. Those, yeah, and we've, we've all, you know, we've all heard the people say, oh, you know, you know, I'm just too nice. I don't want to fail anyone. Well, you are failing them. You are failing the student uh, mm-hmm. and you're failing the patient because you are setting both of those pay cohorts up for a fail and one potentially with some like certainly some legal ramifications if things got exceptionally wrong once they're out there on the road because you've reinforced that you know everything's fine so yeah it's a very dangerous situation just you know failing to fail that student if if that's what's going to happen mm-hmm. so this is a a, a- one I asked around on station and and this is one everyone sort of finds very difficult so how do you approach difficult conversations so we're talking very specifically um perhaps you've got a student and maybe you've got them halfway through the year because they've been bounced around a little bit between mentors Mm -hmm. and they're not quite ready to be signed off yeah what is it that you you know that you do specifically to approach that conversation, and and how do you have that conversation with your student? If I've got a student who's come from somebody else, or they're just starting with us, maybe say a year or two, I'll generally you know we'll have a sit down and we'll go through you know what's generally known as you know your strengths, your weaknesses, your opportunities, and your, and your threats to learning, and we'll, we'll try to gauge like what milestones we hope to achieve where areas of practice do you think you is strongest and then we talk about well what areas do you want to improve on um but then you know like what you say you know about the student who isn't quite ready um i'd first consider trying to understand why the student might not be ready there were there's like a journal in the nmc by duffy and they, they she they stated that you know nobody should get to the end of their course and then be taught oh Sorry, they you haven't passed. They should be regular tripartites to identify areas of concern and practice. So the student should be aware of what they need to improve on. And your job as a mentor is is, is a coach as well. And a coach identifies problems or areas that needs to be brought up. You know, we should be signposting the student and, you know, providing that pastoral support. So it it shouldn't come as a surprise that this should be this should be built up, uh, you know, over over multiple conversations, um, you know, using those smart objectives um, to to get them to where they need to be, um, and and then it's like, you know, it's identifying where that student is on their you know their learning journey of this paramedic program, you know, um, 
you've you've got to tell your expectations to where the student is. I mean, I would not expect a year one to be picking out a right bundle branch block in relation to like you know some chest pain and and look oh there's some right ventricular strain on the ECG and they've got a high well score and a perk so you know maybe they might have a PA. I would not expect a, a year one to be picking that out of a in a history take or the ECG. So you you've got to kind of rein it in and sometimes you might have three or four different students and all at different levels so you've got to be quite agile in like changing your your teaching to tailor it to each certain student hmm. I, I think that brings us quite nicely to the, to the next point university students coming through internal students coming through and um, we we have an awful lot of them which is really really good to see that there's so much sort of passion and and, and interest within the job but that puts an awful lot of sort of burden on us as as practice educators. Um, so I just wanted to speak really around sort of practice educator fatigue. This is something that I've personally sort of noted within myself is that when, when we have student after student um, that, you know, we start to get um, – tired and and maybe our mentoring skills aren't as good as as they should be and i find it sort of very anecdotally very very difficult to always give the reins to someone else i'm not sure how you feel steve as well um sometimes it's nice to come in on a shift and just do your job and 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 nothing more and i find that quite um quite satisfying so it's quite difficult when we're having students So you know, one after the other, after the other, and and all various, like you said, various different sort of levels and skill sets and different years, um, you know, and, and there's a sort of little bit of fatigue going on. Is that something you've you've noticed with yourself or or in others? Yeah, I think last year I was I was definitely starting to feel it, and I had a conversation with Chris and you know, I just need a few weeks or a month just just working together. Because you need, you know, you are still learning. Like I explained it, but you know, just once you qualify, you are just you are just a student with registration. You need that time to consolidate your practice, as I've said. But I mean, this mental fatigue. I mean, this is apparent across all areas of healthcare. Um, you know, a continuous stream of students, you know, and and CCAs as well coming through the pipeline. Everybody needs, you know, take them under the wing and, and mentor them and and how we go about our daily operations. But, you know, having time to mentor and debrief is, you know, often a case of well, being a bit creative with your time and efficient to go over key points. And, like, depending on our, like, reap or surge levels, you know, I'm, I've often updated, uh, you know, EOC to explain, you know, we just need a bit of time to consolidate the students' learning. You know, we're being mindful of the downtime. Yeah, so there's there's not just the the student yeah. pressure of, of of mentoring. We've got we've got our external pressures. Mm-hmm. Obviously, we're 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 well into um, into our winter pressures now for the year. And um, you know, like you said, we've got to be very mindful of our downtime um, because we you know we we still need to to keep seeing patients, but obviously we still have that obligation mm-hmm. to mentor as well. Is, is there anything that you think the service could do um, as an improvement uh, sort of off the top of my head? My thinking was between students was would be to have one week of, of just you and you and your crewmate as, as a bit of respite prior to, to getting a, another student. Is there anything that, you, you know, you would add to that? Yeah, I mean, I, I can see it's, 
a hard balance logistically for the trust, you know. Um, but I mean, I have you know, I've known people that ask like training centers, and we just need some, you know, some time without a student for your own clinical practice as well. In terms of how can it be better? Yeah, I agree that you maybe get a week with just you and your crewmate, just so you have that fire break and just do what a primary role is. Yeah, and it's so it's a it's a it's a fine balance, really, isn't it? For 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 those in charge, we, we're looking at the longer, you know, the longer, the bigger mm-hmm. picture. We we need these students to come through to take the pressure off in mm-hmm. the future. Uh, but by the same token, we we need their um, mentorship to be uh, of a high quality, of a, of a you know of a high standard. Mm-hmm. So when they do come through, that they are you know they are good and they're ready to they're ready to hit the ground yeah. running. So. I think further to that then, so in terms of support available to mentors, um, I just wanted to say on a, on a personal note, obviously for those who are signing students off, um, there are hours to be claimed back within our service, within the Northeast Ambulance Service. Um, so I think you have to email the the training team um, and RSD um, and you can have hours popped back onto your leave. Um, is there anything else that you're aware of for support, Steve? Um, no, no. I mean, I was aware, you know, you claim your hours back. You could always, you know, if you're, if you're really stressed or you're really struggling, you know, you could always speak with, you, you know, your CDL, your DOs. Um, I, I, I dare say you could even probably contact the tr- the trim as well. You know, uh, you know that level of stress takes form in many, you might have a particularly challenging student. Um, you might be just generally just struggling with your home life as well. And I think, you know, you, that also comes into like, are you, are, you know, are you ready to mentor that, you know, you've got to think to yourself, what was my mental state right now? Am I, I going to do the student a, dis- a disservice if I'm, you know, if I fell out of love with a job because I'm so stressed, I've had so many students, um, you know, that's probably not a great time to take on a student, you know. Mm. So moving towards the end then, if you had one take-home message for mentors, mm. what would it be? I mean, one take-home there. So I think if for me, I would say don't be afraid to ask for help, uh, whether that's assistance with mentoring a student um, that perhaps is, is more difficult um, than, than you're used to. You can contact the university who can obviously step in to, to offer some assistance. You can contact our training school, um, who obviously are very, very good at this, um, at, you know, at this sort of skill set, um, who are there as well to support you. Um, so, and obviously you've got your colleagues on station as well. I, I certainly personally always bounce off the more experienced colleagues to see what I can do better as a mentor. Um, you know, when I'm coming up with challenges or perhaps not come up against previously, um, I, I sometimes use them as a, as a sounding board just to get a, a you know, fresh ideas. Yeah. No, no, that's, that's a really good, really good advice, mate. Um, so what would I say? Um, um, just understand your role uh, as a mentor. And there's a couple of areas. You are, as as with the unit to a degree, you are a kind of a gatekeeper to their, you know, the profession. Um, and it, and it's and it's understand you and respect that responsibility. Oh, God, enjoy your time with students. Embrace the learning with them. Go on a go on a learning journey with them together. Learn together. Tell your student to go away. 
and have a look at something. If you're not aware of it, be open, honest, um, and say, well, yeah, I'll go away and learn at it, and you go in, do some reading, and then we'll come compare notes. Improve your learning as well as theirs. Absolutely. Perfect. And that's what I would say. So what do you personally get out of, of being a mentor? Yeah, so like being a mentor gives me an opportunity, you know, to instill the student with like some professionalism expecting them for a career that, you know, that hopefully would be a lifelong for them. Um, we know a lot of them will move on to other areas, but I would like to carry that professionalism in other areas and be an ambassador of being a paramedic. Um, you know, it helps develop leadership skills. And I found that mentoring is a very powerful and effective way of accelerating your own learning, as we've, you know, we've talked about. Yeah, and, and I think one of the biggest buzz for us is, you know, watching the student make those cognitive leaps, you know, pulling together medical theory knowledge and practice knowledge and well, like just, you know, closing that that zip model together. Um you know, watching them critically analyze, you know, a patient, form a working care plan, uh, but that one that always places the the patient at the center of the of um the care. So yeah, that's I like. I really enjoy watching the students grow. Yeah, I think I think personally for me, uh, you know, very much along the same lines, uh, seeing them qualify, you know, put those epaulets on, and and you know that that pride that they have, but then you know further to that is seeing them in the mm-hmm. role. You know, if perhaps you may, you might back them up on a job, um, and and you know, and you see them, you see them yeah, in action, yeah. and they're making all those decisions without, you know, without that sort of you know mentor um, anymore. You know, and to see that achievement is yeah. Is really yeah, absolutely, nice. and you know, and you'll you these the students will be eventually your colleagues out on the road. Thanks for listening to RTB. Please like the show in your podcast app, and if you have the time, we'd really appreciate if you could leave us a review. If you've enjoyed today's episode, why not go back and listen to our previous episodes? If you'd like to get in touch about anything you've heard on RTB, or if you'd like to suggest a topic for us to cover in a future episode, you can email us at publicrelations at neas.nhs.uk.